You're listening to a podcast from St. Bart's to find out more about our church or to take a next step. Visit stbarts.com.au. Be great to keep your Bibles open to Acts 27 as we continue in our Acts series. But first, let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for the gift of your word to us. So we pray this morning that your spirit would be at work in our hearts and minds, shaping all that we receive, that we'd be shaped and moulded in the likeness of Jesus and hold on to the promises that you give us in any situation we face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're getting close now to the end of the book of Acts, the account of how the good news of Jesus has gone out by the power of the Spirit from Jerusalem, throughout all the regions of the Mediterranean, and now on towards Rome. From the very beginning, Jesus sent his disciples to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. We've seen how the Spirit has been compelling, directing and guiding Jesus' followers as they've gone out to new places and faithfully proclaiming the crucified and risen Lord in whatever situation they've found themselves in. People's hearts have turned to God and believers have been built up and encouraged. And yet, as the gospel has gone out, Opposition has simultaneously intensified. Paul and his companions have been beaten, mobbed, imprisoned, rescued from riots, and now Paul is on trial. Before the governor, Paul appealed to Caesar. And so now to Caesar, he must go. Here in Acts 27, Paul is on a ship bound for Rome, on the way to defend himself. But along the way, opposition to the gospel continues. Now he's far from Jewish authorities, but soldiers, sailors, and even the wind work against Paul's progress to Rome. Paul's life still remains in danger. But God continues to show his faithfulness to his plan and to his people. It could be tempting to read of Paul's shipwreck experience and think, well, Paul faced a storm, God rescued him. So what storms in my life will God rescue me from? But if we only take this approach, not only could it lead to some fairly questionable conclusions, but we'll also miss all the details of what the writer of Acts wants us to see. The author could have summarised this whole journey in a sentence, but instead we get the details of the challenges and reactions along the way. So as we pay attention to how Paul reacts against yet more opposition, we see what faithfulness looks like in the midst of storm by holding on to God's promises, even in uncertainty. So first, Paul sets off right into the midst of storm, 
Well, actually, we've got two storms here. The physical type, caused by external conditions, and the human type, caused by poor decisions. So first, let's have a look, picking up from verse 7. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Nidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite Salome. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens, near the town of Lassie. But much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous, because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Since the harbour was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. From the beginning... The winds have been against the crew. In the first century, unless you were in a particularly large ship, they would normally sail port to port along the coastline, not venturing out into the open water. But because of the winds, the journey has become more and more difficult. The winds have forced them to make a detour around Cyprus, and they couldn't even make it to Nidus, for the headwind was so strong. Each time they approach where they want to go, they are blown off course. And so with great difficulty, they arrive where they didn't really intend to go, a substandard harbour called Fair Havens. But not only have the conditions rerouted them, because they have lost so much time, they are entering a season where it is dangerous to sail. In verse 9, Luke tells us that it is after the Day of Atonement, which is probably early October. This is an important detail about the danger they face. A Roman military writer noted that sailing was dangerous after about mid-September and should not even be attempted between November to March. So they are currently in the dangerous fringe season. With the difficult conditions that they have already faced and the known danger ahead, they need to wait out the winter. Paul, he sees the danger for everyone. The ship, the cargo, his guards, the sailors and his fellow prisoners. And he warns them to remain where they are. However, against Paul's advice... The majority decide to make the one-day journey to Phoenix, which promises a better harbour. So continuing from verse 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. The journey had been difficult, but now it is perilous. A hurricane-force wind drives them out into the open ocean. It would be like taking a ferry across to Stradbroke Island 
only to find yourselves driven out into the Pacific Ocean. At this point, they have lost all control of the ship. It is being held together by ropes and driven along by the storm. Cargo and tackle has been tossed overboard. The sky is dark and there are no stars to guide them. No way of knowing where they are or where they are going. But what makes this even worse is that this whole situation could have been avoided. The hurricane force wind was unexpected. But decisions were made that put them into a risky situation. The decisions of the centurion, the owner of the ship, and the majority to sail on meant that being blown out to sea was always a possibility. The foolish decision to sail at a dangerous point of the year has put everyone at risk. Even though Paul warned them, he too is now in the same danger as everyone else. In the face of storms, we can be tempted to run away and hide. In the face of storms created by human foolishness, we can be quick to blame, quick to show no mercy and no forgiveness. But that's not how Paul responds. He doesn't abandon the ship or reject those who are responsible. He doesn't even expect that he alone is going to be immune to the storms of life. Some storms we create for ourselves. Some are part of living in a broken world. And some are the fault of others. But what does Paul do? He gets on being faithful in that context. I know that right now, there are people here facing all sorts of storms. Painful health conditions that have no respite in sight. Grinding workloads. Entangled and complex family affairs. And deep desires unmet. And right in the midst of these storms, I'm constantly encouraged to see the ways that people seek to be faithful right where they are, with God's help and the help of God's people. So what does this faithfulness look like here, on this ship? Well, we see Paul holding on to God's promises and God's faithfulness. So would you look with me from verse 21? After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. When Paul stands up to speak, the storm is still raging. 
Everyone is giving up all hope of ever being saved. And combined with a little, I told you so, Paul holds on to God's promises to him. And these promises also include the future and rescue of all those on board. This isn't naive optimism. It isn't Paul looking within and depending on his own strength or even just relying on his extensive travel experience. It also isn't a claim that God must rescue him from this storm. He knows the real danger ahead. And he knows that death can come to Christians too. For he has witnessed Christians die before him. Rather than turn inwardly, we see how Paul holds on to God's promises with a well-placed confidence that God is faithful and able to accomplish all he has promised to do. For Paul, God's promise is very specific. Over two years ago, after the uproar in Jerusalem, Jesus appeared to Paul saying, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify in Rome. And again, on this ship, he is reminded of God's promises to him that he must stand trial before Caesar. Even though this seems pretty unlikely at this moment, somehow Paul will get to Rome. Because of God's promise, the men are to take courage. And because of the character of the one who made the promise, they are to have confidence it will happen. Again and again throughout history, God has proved that he is faithful to the promises he makes. But it doesn't just need to be in very specific circumstances, like Paul's direction to Rome. But we too can have confidence in God's promises. When I was at school and university, I was so envious of people that knew exactly what they wanted to do. I had lots of general ideas, but it seemed to me that life would just be so much easier if I knew exactly where I was going. And to be honest, there are many points now when I wish the way ahead for my life was more straightforward or just simply a little bit more known. But the hope we have in Jesus isn't a promise of a comfortable, easy life with our plans neatly laid out, as much as I'd probably prefer that. But rather, we are called to follow the Lord of all, wherever he places us, however difficult or unknown the road ahead is. So if we find ourselves in the midst of a storm and don't have a specific direction from Jesus, what promises of God can we hold on to? The biggest promise of God that is given to everyone who turns to Jesus as their Lord is the offer of life, forgiveness, freedom and purpose in Christ. The greatest danger we will face is death and against this ultimate threat, Jesus has been victorious. He has gone to the cross for us, taken on our punishment, 
died for our sins and is risen again so that our life is now bound up with his resurrected life. But we don't just have this future hope to hold on to, but there are so many promises that we can hold on to today. That we are never alone. That Jesus is with us. That we don't do anything in our own strength. But the Holy Spirit dwells within us, guiding, comforting, encouraging, convicting, and pointing us to Jesus. We are promised rest, strength, God's care and his wisdom. In 2020, we did a whole series on just some of the promises of God that we can count on. In an age of uncertainty, we might long for assurance of where we are going tomorrow. But the promises of God in Christ are more certain, more satisfying, and more life-giving than any of our own plans. Once, I was on a multi-day hike with a friend in New Zealand, and we were staying in a hut on the top of a mountain. Overnight, 80 kilometer hour winds smashed against the hut, shaking it all night. And as I laid there in my sleeping bag, surprisingly, I wasn't that worried because I was just so pleased we weren't in a tent. I was not at the mercy of my own non-existent, not tying abilities. But even as I heard the wind, I could open my eyes and be reminded that there was a wooden, not a nylon, structure that protected me. But God's promises to us in Christ provide far more security than that hut. His promises to us are always there, anchoring us. But to provide comfort in a storm, we need to recall them and be reminded of them. So how are you recalling the promises of God? How do they provide steady ballast each day. One practice I found helpful is at the end of each day to review, remember and rest. So review the day that has been, the joys, the challenges, the people I need to forgive and the ways which I need to be forgiven. And remember God's promises in light of that day, in light of those challenges and joys. And then rest in the assurance that everything has been completed in Christ. Our faithfulness in storms is not dependent on having a specific vision from God, but the promises of God for all who trust in Jesus are firm enough to hold on to, even in the midst of storms, even in the face of uncertainty. Faithfulness is often nurtured in the unknown, not in the known. And we should note that even in Paul's experience, with a really specific promise, it didn't remove all the uncertainties in his life. So would you look with me from verse 27? On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, 
when about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending that they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Paul has implored all those on board to take courage because of God's promises. But 14 days later, they are still being driven across the ocean. They've lived in constant suspense, as finding land in the open ocean would be like finding a needle in a haystack. And as they trust, they remain in danger. Holding on to God's promises doesn't mean an automatic or an immediate rescue, but could still look like prolonged periods of uncertainty. At this point, it could have been tempting for Paul to ask, have I not done enough for God to prove my faithfulness? Haven't I been through enough beatings, imprisonments, shipwrecks for the gospel already? Or even, is this challenge getting in the way of serving God. But even in uncertainty, Paul doesn't weigh up all his faithfulness and demand a better outcome from God. He doesn't despise the situation that he finds himself in or withdraw from everyone else. Instead, Paul continues to care for those around him. He doesn't write off those who have rejected him because Paul continues to serve God in that place, even when it seems his gifts and work in taking the gospel to the Gentiles are wasted on this ship. And something amazing happens. By witnessing Paul's trust in God and his concern for all those on board, the same people that ignored Paul begin listening to him. In the midst of the storms, they've seen his faithfulness in action. Because of Paul, they begin to trust in the one that he trusts in. Even the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat, for their hope to be saved is in Paul's God. Our storms and our uncertainties give others an opportunity to see the one who is the surest anchor, the one who can weather all storms and provide hope in darkness. Our faithfulness, wherever we find ourselves, means that everywhere people may see God at work through the lives of his people. As we hold on to the promises of God, Others can see the strength and kindness of the one who holds us. Paul was commissioned by Jesus to go and witness in Rome. His journey there was full of challenges and storms. 
And we are also commissioned by Jesus to witness to him wherever we go. And one of the greatest promises of the Great Commission that we can hold on to, whatever challenge or storm we face along the way, is that Jesus is with us always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, we thank you that we are never alone, that you are always with us, no matter where we are, no matter how hopeless things may seem. Lord, by the power of your Spirit, please help us to follow you faithfully, even in the midst of storms and uncertainty. Please bring to our minds and imprint on our hearts your promises given to us in Christ. And Lord of all, we bring before the storms that we and those we love are facing. We long for the day when you will return and make all things new. Please be at work healing and redeeming the broken situations we are in. Please give us strength and patience to continue to live faithfully wherever we are, that through our lives many may come to know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a podcast from St. Bart's. To learn more or to take a next step, visit stbarts.com.au.